Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest teaches on finding faith. Say it with me. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about finding faith. Maybe a different perspective that you might not have heard before. Luke chapter 18, and we'll read verse 1 through 8 out of the New King James Version. Then He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I think that's a pretty good question. If you look at the body of Christ today, I don't think you find a whole lot of churches that are preaching faith that are walking in faith, that are acting in faith. Amen? But we want to be a church that is talking faith, walking faith, and acting faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? The Amplified says it like this. Will He find this kind of persistent faith on the earth? Amen. Evidently, The Bible tells us that when Jesus comes to the earth, He'll be looking for faith. Now, most everybody I've heard expounds upon this verse. Uh, They assume that Jesus is only referring to the time when He returns to the earth for good, i.e. to take His place as the King of kings on the throne in Jerusalem to reign over the nations with us for 1,000 years. And I do agree with that interpretation that the primary time being referenced here is the second coming of Christ. But the Bible makes it clear that Jesus has and will continue to visit the earth on a routine basis until He comes to stay. John chapter 1, verse 20 through chapter 2, verse 1. Now this is John's revelation, the revelation of Jesus, He encounters Jesus in a vision, and Jesus is about to give him the letter or the message to the seven churches. And he uses symbology, metaphors, and he talks about stars in his right hand and golden candlesticks behind him. Okay, And so this is the context of these verses. Let's begin in verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks 
which thou sawest are the seven churches. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now the thing I want you to see is if the candlesticks represent the churches, then it's clear to me that from time to time, Jesus gets up off his throne, comes down to the earth, and walks in the midst of the churches. Amen? Whether he comes bodily or in the spirit, I think is up to him. Either way, it's clear that he comes for a visit now and then. A couple that Trish and I met 20-some years ago when we were a member of a particular ministry organization, John and Julie Christopher. They were relating to us a story that they personally experienced back in the 70s during the height of the charismatic revival. So it turns out that John and Julie Christopher back in the 70s, they were Episcopal youth pastors. They took their group to a camp, and every member of their youth group, I believe he said there was about 30 of them, were seeking and desiring the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Now, if you were an Episcopal back in the 70s, you probably don't know this, but since I was, I can tell you from experience, there was nobody you could go to to ask, how do I get filled with the Holy Ghost, except for Brother Dennis Bennett, out on the West Coast. So here they are. They go to camp. And one of their specific goals was they weren't going to leave camp until they got filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And one night, John and Julie said they were sitting on the platform of this small chapel and they were in the midst of worship. None of them had been filled with the Holy Spirit up to that point, but they were seeking. They were crying out to the Lord. And John says... I looked to the back, and the back door of the chapel opened up, and Jesus himself walked into the chapel. John and Julie saw him first. They thought at first they were the only ones that were seeing Jesus. But then it soon became apparent that every youth in the building also saw Jesus. Not only did everybody see him, but he began to go from youth to youth, laying hands on them until they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, Speaking with other tongues. Now, that might be a mind blower to you, but I'm telling you, the Bible says Jesus comes and he walks in the midst of the churches from time to time, and when he does, he does some things. Amen? Amen. He brings his glory. He brings healing. In this case, he brought the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I think it's quite fitting because John said, I baptize you with water, but one coming after me, he's greater than me. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So Jesus is the original baptizer in the Holy Ghost. So think it not strange that he came in and personally got that entire youth group filled with the Holy Ghost. How many know that youth group was changed forevermore after that? Whoo, praise God. Whether Jesus comes for a visit or whether he comes to stay, the Bible says he'll be looking for faith. Amen. My question is, will he find faith when he wanders up and down the aisles of Faith Life Fellowship? I say yes. I say yes. I say yes. All the promises of God are yes 
and amen in Him. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 11. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Woo, glory. That's a Selah moment right there. Amen. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Amen. Consider the magnitude of this statement. First of all, what does it mean to marvel? Well, in this case, it means that Jesus was impressed. 1,500 years this nation has been in existence, and I haven't found faith like this until I find this Roman officer who's here as a conqueror. He's got more faith than anybody that I've found in Israel so far. He was impressed. Glory to God. Because the centurion understood authority. Amen. And I, again, I could preach on that, and I feel a, like a vortex pulling me in that direction, but I can't go there because that's not my message today. Amen. Suffice it to say that Jesus was impressed. Later on, he said, Go home as you have believed, be it unto you. And the Bible says his servant was healed that very selfsame hour. In other words, the minute Jesus said, Go home, be it unto you as you have believed. The servant was healed at that moment. Amen. So sometimes he finds great faith, and sometimes he finds little or no faith. Contrast the centurion's great faith with the unbelief that Jesus encountered when he went and preached in his own hometown. Mark chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. First of all, as a teacher, i got to say this. Notice that the antidote for unbelief used by Jesus, was teaching. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around the villages teaching. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but if i got a choice between marveling the Lord because of my great faith and marveling the Lord because of my lousy faith, I choose answer A. Amen? I choose the former. Amen? I don't want Jesus marveling because of my unbelief. That means he was impressed by their unbelief. It was unusually bad, you know. Wow, you people are in unbelief. Just because you know me, just because I grew up here, just because I ran a carpenter shop with my dad, you are not able to receive from me? Notice it says, he could there do no mighty work. 
his hands were tied by unbelief. So even Jesus himself has to have some faith somewhere in order for him to operate. Amen. So think it not strange when you encounter unbelief and it's hard to get somebody healed because they're just so filled with doubt and unbelief. I'm telling you, it'll happen. I prayed for a lady one time in Alabama. I did a four-day healing seminar at the church we were attending at the time, and uh, her hands were all bandaged up, and she had carpal tunnel, and her fingers were red. And, you know, I I just pointed her out in the middle of the preaching. I said, do you want to be healed? She just looked at me stone-faced. The pastor is in the back, and he's kind of waving me off, you know, giving me these nonverbal signals like, don't go there, you know. Well, I just missed it. And I went and I prayed for this lady. And I prayed, and I'll tell you what, it was like the anointing just bounced right off of her. I prayed healing, or I spoke healing to her hands in the name of Jesus. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Found out later from the pastor that the lady and her husband were very destitute, very uh, poor, and they both had to work to raise their children just to have enough money. Well, she was believing God that she could stay at home with the kids. So when she came down with carpal tunnel, she was able to get workman's comp. She was able to get money and stay at home and raise the kids. So she believed that that was the blessing of God that God put on her. You can't get somebody healed with thinking like that. If you think God put it on you, he's certainly not going to take it off of you. You know, if that's your logic, you got to get your thinking right before you can get healed. And I learned a lesson. Do you want to be healed? Jesus told the guy on the stretcher at the pool of Bethesda, do you want to be healed? Well, yeah. (laughs) But it's a valid question sometimes. Do you really want to be healed? If so, let's get this thing done. All right, where were we? The antidote for unbelief used by Jesus was teaching. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 to 25, another example of little or no faith. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake, and they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? Remember, when Jesus comes for a visit, he's looking for faith. Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. I submit to you that whether he finds great faith or little or no faith, Jesus is always ready to meet you at your current level of faith. Why do I say that? Jesus rescued them. He didn't leave them high and dry, or should I say, he didn't leave them wet and drowned. They at least had enough faith to come to him and cry for help. Lord, save us. And he did. If that's all the faith you can muster is, Lord Jesus, save me. He'll answer that cry. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. 
If you got nothing else, you got that verse. Lord, save me. Save me, Lord. You know, people don't have to pray the sinner's prayer to get saved. Did you know that? You can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says you have to go to Romans chapter 10, verse 8, 9, and 10 and make them say all this and then they're saved. It's a good idea, don't get me wrong. But sometimes people come to the point where they're at the end of themselves and they just say, Jesus, save me. And it's enough. You know, we have this sometimes in the church world, this this idea, this concept of God that, you know, he's just waiting for an excuse to send you to hell. I think it's just the opposite. Give me just one excuse to get you born again and you're getting born again. Just give me one little window, open one little door, and I'm there. Jesus, save me. Okay, boom. You've just been born again. That's the God we serve, amen. A God of love, but a God of faith. Jesus is walking in the midst of the churches. I said this before. He's looking for faith, hoping to find it. Why? So he can move on our behalf in a mighty way. That's what he's really doing. He's looking for really strong faith. He will meet you at your level of faith. But I'm telling you, Jesus doesn't want you to stay at small faith forever. The Bible says we've all been given a measure of faith. Galatians says faith is a fruit and fruit can grow. Amen. So you can take the measure of faith that Jesus gives you and you can grow that faith until it becomes strong and mighty. And then when Jesus comes walking in the midst of your church, he's going to say, whoa, Father God, have you heard what they're believing at Faith Life Fellowship? They're believing for a large church. They're meeting in the Hampton Inn Medical Park and they're believing the pack that place out so they're forced to move to another venue they're believing to establish a bible school they're believing to establish a healing school they're believing to establish a dream center they're believing for a massive outreach to the poor and the homeless can you believe what they're believing god for that's what he's looking for do you hear what they're saying do you hear what they're confessing what they're believing I want Jesus to be impressed by the things I'm believing him for. Given something he can sink his teeth into. Did he not say he would do exceeding abundantly? The Amplified says super abundantly. Far over and above all that we can dare ask or think. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams according to the power that's already working on the inside of us, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ Himself. If you can't get it done with that power, you can't get it done with no power. Because the same power that created the universe raised Jesus from the dead and lives on the inside of you if you're born again. Amen? He's got that power to work with. All He's waiting for is for you to say, I believe God for mighty things. I'm going to do mighty exploits. I'm walking down this path, and God is with me. God is for me, and God is in me. And whoever tries to come against me is sure to fail. Amen. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These are the kind of things that Jesus is listening for when he comes and walks in the midst of the churches. And I want him to hear that here at Faith Life Fellowship. Will you help me? 
Will you believe God for big things as a church? Will you believe God for big things in your own life? Will you believe God for big things in your ministry? Amen. They say they're going to build a strong local church that knows how to flow in the Holy Ghost. And they actually believe they can do it with our help. This is this conversation of Jesus and the Father. And Jesus turns to the Father and says, Be it unto them, Father, according to their faith, according to what they have believed. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on Finding Faith. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again.